Okay, we are back, and I'm embarrassed to say that it's closing in on two months. This is uh, Dean Larratt, Dr. Dean, from Bedtime Stories with Dr. Dean, and uh, I did it once again. Once again, I, um, I stopped doing the podcast, but I, I think when you hear some of the reasoning excuse me, you'll, you'll understand. Um, I want to thank uh, some of the people who have DM'd me on Instagram uh, saying, hey, come on, get, uh, get to it. This is pretty fun and interesting stuff. We'd love to hear some more. I'm very surprised that I still have people that are hanging in there with me. I think that's, uh, that's amazing. So um, it is good to be back. I will fill you in. We're going to do like a 30 and 30 tonight, which means I'm probably going to do about 25 minutes on what's been going on in the last two months, um, and then about 30 minutes, 35 minutes, uh, about uh, continuing off where we left off uh, talking about me entering college upstate New York. So I'll take a little deep breath and... Um, start to get some, uh, some long wind in me uh, to speak and everything. Um, okay, so last we left off was June 24th, and I want to thank you for the viewership from that, uh, from that episode. I was very surprised, but we got some uh, decent numbers for that. And uh, like I said, I, I feel like I'm letting people down because I, I, I do this sporadically, but the last two months have been uh, been interesting, and I'm going to start to fill you in. So we left off uh, the podcast discussing what it's going to be like from here on out with regard to talking about college and uh, all that stuff. But I'm going to get to that in a little bit. Let's just talk about what's been going on in the last uh, two months. So June 24th was the taping of the last podcast and uh, put it up probably on the 25th or whatever. And um, let's see, I left for New York City July 15th, and that was, I think, a Monday, July 15th. And um, the plans for New York City were I was going to um, go to Manhattan um, stay at the hotel on 49th Street and 8th Avenue in Manhattan. I haven't been there in a year, and I was looking forward to it, and it was great and all that stuff. We'll get to all that in a second. And uh, then I was going to do a total of three nights in Manhattan, Monday night, Tuesday night, Wednesday night. And uh, then Thursday, I was going to take the Long Island Railroad and go out to... Uh, um, Lake Ronkonkoma and get picked up by one of my brother's buddies uh, from Stony Brook when they went to school 40-some-odd years ago, and uh, I guess about 42 years ago now that I think about it, and we were going to celebrate my brother's 60th birthday, which is August 1st, but we were only able to celebrate it on the weekend of the uh, 19th, 20th, and 21st. Uh, that's when the people that were going to be attending and staying over at the house in the Hamptons uh, were able to do so. Uh, everybody was able to coordinate on that weekend. So 
um, I'll take you through this. I'll take you through the trip. So I, um, I get to Manhattan. Uh, I take the red eye on um, Monday night. That's right. Monday night, I take the red eye, and I get into Manhattan uh, Tuesday morning, about 5.15 in the morning into JFK. And then I get to, uh, to the uh, hotel about 7 o'clock, check in, and uh, I think I laid down for an hour, an hour and a half or something like that. And uh, then I took the train. I can't believe I did this. I was so tired and so sleep deprived. Oh, excuse me. Excuse me. That um, I had to go see my buddy from junior high school, Dr. Alan Rothstein, who is a big periodontist in Denville, New Jersey. Shout out to Alan Rothstein in Denville, New Jersey. And um, great guy and everything. Always liked him and got along with him in, uh, in junior high. And then we went to different high schools. But we were friends on Facebook. And I told him of some of my dental issues that I've had. And uh, I wanted his opinion uh, on, uh, you know, what I should do and what I shouldn't do. And um, so on a sleep-deprived uh, um, red-eye trip... Uh, on JetBlue Airlines into Manhattan, into New York, I laid down for about an hour, hour and a half, took a shower, and then uh, went out in like 97-degree weather uh, into the uh, gallows of Penn Station, Madison Square Garden, took the uh, New Jersey Transit to Denville, New Jersey, an hour and 20-minute train ride to Denville, New Jersey. And then I took an Uber to his office, and uh, it was like um, Denville, New Jersey was like, I don't know, it just felt like something out of the Truman Show or just uh, even even sort of uh, almost Sopranos-like, um, just well-manicured um, uh, homes and small little town. Um, but it was pretty cool. I have to admit it was, it was pretty cool, but definitely something like like out of, out of the Truman Show with Jim Carrey, and uh, get to Alan's office, and we uh, uh, catch up on the last 30-some-odd years in uh, about 10 minutes, and he takes a look and everything, and all that works out, and he explains some of the stuff and agrees with certain things with my uh, dentist people out here and disagrees with others, and uh, we have a nice time. It was really nice to catch up with Alan, and uh, then I made my way back to the Tenville train station, um, which was pretty much just me sitting there, and grabbed the uh, 3.30 train, which got me back into, uh, uh, actually, I think it was like a 2.30, at, uh, 3, 3 o'clock, something like that. It got me back into Manhattan at like 4.30. And I got get back into my hotel till 5, and... Um, uh, laid down for like about an hour and a half, took a quick shower. And, uh, cause remember it's 90 some odd degrees out. So as soon as you hit, uh, you come up from the uh, train station, you immediately are just scorched 97 degrees and it's, you know, Manhattan. So it's, uh, 88% humidity. So with that said, I get back to the hotel, 
lay down, close my eyes for an hour and 15, hour and 30, and then take a shower, where I'm now at 7.30, I'm going to see the Broadway show Tootsie, uh, the musical, based upon the 1982, uh, I believe 82, uh, Dustin Hoffman film, Tootsie. And uh, that was fantastic. I had a blast, uh, even though I was just completely sleep-deprived. But that was a blast. And um, uh, and I was lucky. I was only It was only a three-block walk. The theater was only a three-block walk from my hotel. So that was great. I got to take a quick shower at five to seven and and walked three blocks in 10 minutes, you know, whatever, uh, and was in my seat uh, for a 7.30 curtain call. And um, and when I got out, New York City was just crazy, uh, total tourist, touristy area where I was. And uh, on a Tuesday night, it was crazy and packed and everybody... Um, you know, just walking the streets, uh, just just amazing. Still, still an amazing city in its own right. Um, I don't know how I feel about living there um, uh, ever again. I don't know uh, if I had Jerry Seinfeld money or maybe a little bit less than that. Uh, I would definitely have a crash pad there to hang. Uh, but I don't know if I could live there as, uh, as much uh, anymore. I don't know if I have the same feeling about it at, uh, as a 55-year-old man. I don't know. Um, so uh, if a TV series brought me back there, obviously, um, I would obviously do that. Uh, but other than that, I just don't know if I could do it again. But great place to visit, a lot of fun. Um, Tootsie was great. Uh, walked around Manhattan um, that night, and then I believe, oh yes, and then a buddy of mine picked me up at the uh, um, at my um, hotel, and then we went to uh, get some food. Uh, I think we went down to, uh, that's right, we went to Little Italy and had a killer meal down there, just a huge amount of Italian food. And uh, came back, it was like, I, I think it was like uh, like uh, about 2, 2 o'clock, 3 o'clock in the morning. And uh, then I uh, woke up Wednesday, and Wednesday I just chilled out in my hotel room for quite a bit and um, made, made a, you know, a little pilgrimage out for some uh, breakfast and everything, like 2 o'clock in the afternoon or something. But I was pretty spent from... That crazy day, the the you know from Monday to Tuesday, it was just crazy lack of sleep. So, and then I performed comedy at the Broadway Comedy Club on Fifty Third between Eighth and Ninth, if I remember correctly, or Seventh and Eighth, and uh, that was a great uh, great room. Al, Dr. Alan Rothstein, the dentist from Denville, he showed up with his lovely wife. We had a great time. That was a blast, and. Uh, I had some friends from childhood showed up. One of uh, my neighbors, Steve Luma, he showed up. Uh, he was a guy that I could that used to always strike me out in stickball. He had a very very good fastball, and uh, went on to become a pretty successful guy um, in uh, Wall Street, and uh, has done very well for himself, I believe, in the banking business. So um, caught up with him, had a great time shooting the shit with him. And uh, just really, uh, it was really nice to catch up with Steve. I was so happy when I saw that he was in the audience. I just literally saw him in the audience. 
And uh, so that was great. And then I had uh, some old friends from uh, Bay, the Bayside area, um, Laura Monteruli and her husband showed up. I didn't know her husband until that night, but uh, Laura I know since, uh, I believe, I want to say 77 or 78, when we went to uh, the same camp. We went to a camp called Tours for Teens, and um, uh, that's where I met Laura, and uh, that was really sweet of uh, them to come out and, uh, and support me. So I had a good show. It was about 125 people in the audience, and uh, did a solid 15 minutes in front of uh, the hottest group of lights I have ever, uh, in all my years of doing stand-up, which is about 30 years, and I've been in a lot of, lot of clubs, um, I have never had lights this hot so close to me on stage. Um, I, I literally got off stage by saying, well, folks, I haven't run out of material, but I've lost 11 pounds up here on stage, and I think it's time to, uh, to call it a night. And, uh, and I could see that these people were fading. I was the last comedian on, so uh, these people were fading too. And apparently, I guess some of these older comedy clubs in Manhattan, I guess they just can't push out the AC as well. Or the old, you know, thing that clubs do is, you know, they keep it a little warm so you have to buy your booze or your cold soft drinks or whatever. So be that as it may, I thank the Broadway Comedy Club for having me. It was great. We had a, I actually had a good, good set. It was a nice set. And um, came uh, then went out again with my buddy Darian. And um, he picked me up at the, uh, at the hotel and uh, that's right, we took Steve home. That's right. So that was, yeah, that was Wednesday night. Yeah, we took Steve Loomer home uh, on the east side. And then we uh, went down. I forgot where we went. But, oh, we went to Sarge's Deli downtown and had some food. And then we drove around uh, by Ground Zero. Uh, it was really my first time being down there, believe it or not. I mean, I've been down close to... Where the twin tower, where the trade centers were, where the nine um, eleven happened, uh, but I haven't really been like down there now ever since the Freedom Tower has been up there, and that was interesting to see and what they've done down there, and a whole different world down there in that Battery Park uh, area or whatever you want to call that um, uh, financial—I uh, forgot what they call it—financial district. I think it's called Phi Phi Di or something like that. Uh, I think that's what it's called. Um, but yeah, that whole Battery Park City, um, I, interesting down there. I don't know if I could live there because it's so quiet. Um, but uh, when we get to like 1987, 1988, you'll hear me talk about Battery Park City and um, the trade centers. Uh, when we get to that uh, era, you'll hear an interesting story. Uh, I won't say it now, but uh, it, it'll be interesting to the to you people listening. Um, not too far away from that, but um, so we we did that. We went to uh, we drove around. He showed me some, you know. Uh, I haven't been to New York in a year, so he showed me some of the things that are you know going on and where's the hot spots and this and that. And then I believe we went and did our usual ping pong uh, game on. Uh, I think they're on. I can't remember what street that's on, but it's uh, not too far from the famous Village Cigars in Greenwich Village. 
Um, so we ended up playing ping pong from two o'clock till three in the morning. And he beat me four out of four games. And I'm a decent ping pong player. And, um, but uh, last time we played last year, I think we played seven, and I think I won four three, or he won four three. So, uh, you know, it was just very, very uh, lopsided that I lost all four games. That's just uh, that's just strange. But um, they were competitive games. They were like twenty one fifteen, twenty one sixteen, twenty one twelve. It was that kind of thing. It wasn't like twenty one three. It was nothing like that. Okay, so just trying to. Uh, 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 it's a little, little late right now, so and I was tired before, so I'm just trying to get that wind. Um, so with that, I finish up New York. Um, I check out of the hotel, and I go to, on Thursday morning, the 18th, uh, sleep a little late, check out, nice and easy, everything's cool, and I go back into the gallows of Penn Station, Madison Square Garden, and I get on a Long Island Railroad, uh, to Lake Ronkonkoma. Uh, I think that was an hour also. I think that was an hour. And um, we went to, I, I got picked up by my bro, one of my brother's closest friends in the world, Paul Resnick, otherwise known as Wheatley. Um, he went to Wheatley High School in, Ro, in uh, Roslyn area of Long Island. So he uh, adopted that name for the last, uh, I guess, 40 some odd years. So we went, uh, he picked me up, which was great. Then we drove about 15 minutes to Central Islip Airport where we picked up my brother, my brother Scott. Um, and his birthday was August 1st, but it was celebrated the 18th, 19th, uh, 19th, 18th, 19th, and 20th. No, 19th, 20th. No, 18th, 19th, and 20th. That's right. And then uh, the 21st, me and him left. So now we'll talk a little bit about um, what that was all about. That was a, just a phenomenal, phenomenal time. Um, so we, we drive about, I guess it's about 45 minutes from Central Islip to Quag, uh, Long Island, in which my brother's best friend in the world, um, a gentleman by the name of Carmelo and his wife, lovely wife Donna, they, uh, every year they, they invite people to uh, to stay at their house. You know, uh, my brother comes up from Florida. Uh, some guys come from Long Island. A couple of guys, one or two guys come from Manhattan. And there's usually about uh, about four, five, six people spending the weekend there and um, just celebrating. Usually, I think it's July Fourth that weekend. Usually, uh, something like that, or or. When, depending upon when the fourth falls out. But usually my brother goes up from Thursday and stays Thursday, Friday, Saturday, and comes home Sunday. So for the first time in X number of years or ever, my brother called me up a few months prior and said, hey, you want to go? So I took him up on it, and I said, yeah, I do want to go, man. So we went and uh, um, just had a blast, an absolute blast. We got there Thursday I guess it was about five o'clock or something, four thirty, and the drinking began. And I'm not a big drinker, but the drinking began, and I think it was you know by five thirty, I was completely uh, out of my mind, just drinking uh, vodka, pineapples, and just getting hammered. And um, just a beautiful home in Quag, five or six bedrooms, um, thirty-five foot ceilings. A fifty-foot swimming pool with salt water and uh, a salt water 
uh, chlorinated filtration system, meaning the, the chlorine never makes its way into the pool, but there's some sort of cleansing mechanism of the water in a separate port, I guess below the, the, what, the uh, foundation of the um, flooring of the pool, and a very intricate system they had. And um, it was just great. You know, you could open your eyes under there, and it was just it's just a whole different ballgame. So 50-foot swimming pool, and it was hot, and the sun was out, um, and it was just it was just an amazing, amazing uh, way to get the the weekend started. So we did that, and I think that night I can't remember. I think that night we just did a massive amount of barbecuing. Yeah, that's right. We did a massive amount of barbecuing um, that night. It was one of those things that that they have like a separate kitchen almost near the swimming pool. So you didn't have to go back into the kitchen of the house. There was a separate cooking area. It was just, the house is so well built and the land uh, that, that the house is on is so perfectly designed um, just to have a blast. So we just sat um, like by in the gazebo portion near the pool and just watched comedians in cars getting coffee, Jerry Seinfeld's show, and it was just just an absolute, uh, the most relaxing way to do things. You know, it didn't hurt to be uh, full blown drunk by a quarter to six, but um, it was it was just a blast. It was really a lot of fun, and uh, I think if I remember correctly, that night, I don't know if we went out. I, th- I don't know if we actually went out. I can't recall. Um, I think we were all so tired and so drunk that I think basically just chilled out and I think all of us were asleep by 12 or something. I think Thursday night, that's what we did. Friday night, we went to, Friday, you know, we, um, uh, if I remember correctly, went to the beach for like an hour. That's all the sun we were able to take. It was like 12.30 in the afternoon. It was ridiculously hot. And um, we did that. And uh, by then, my brother's, uh, but my then my brother's friend Ron from New York, he got out there, so he was out. He had had some minor surgery uh, the day before, so he came out um, and hung with us. And then Wheatley's girlfriend came out on on Friday, so we all went for dinner uh, at an amazing place. If you're ever in the Hamptons, uh, just Google. Um, Edgewater, Edgewater Restaurant. What a great restaurant! Food was amazing, and um, and that was uh, that was it. We had a blast. It was really nice, and uh, just a, a lot of fun. And then we went out to some club in the Hamptons, um, and it was amazing to see how many people uh, were were knew knew my brother's friend Carmelo and Donna. Everywhere we went, every bar, every club that we went to, um, you know, was hug, hug, kiss, kiss with with Donna and Carmelo. Everybody knew them, so it was a, it was just a, a just an amazing uh, experience. It was just amazing in general, just to to see how the rich people in that portion of the Hamptons in that Long Island Sound. Um, you see some of the homes there. And uh, he was telling me that, uh, you know, Howard Stern has a house there that's, I think, $60 million, supposed to be ridiculous. 
Jerry Seinfeld, I know, has a home there that was $40 million, and then he threw $20 million into it. It was just ridiculous. So um, it's, just, it's just very different to see the, um, the wealth. Uh, and, you know, it, it's just a whole different ballgame. I can't explain it. It's, uh, you have to see it. Um, you're walking in downtown Quag or whatever, I guess it is. I, that's what I want to say. And it's just, I don't know. It's just, it's a different way of life, uh, uh, that Hamptons lifestyle. Um, there was a, uh, uh, theater there called the West Hampton theater. And I'm going to, I'm going to actually contact them and see if we can get a, uh, a stand-up show for next year. Uh, I have a comedian uh, that I spoke with that's very much interested and said he would do it. And uh, so I'm going to uh, contact them and see if we can uh, do our own uh, our own um, show out there. And, um, uh, and when I spoke with Donna and Carmelo, uh, I said, realistically, if I was to get, uh, you know, signed on to do a show at the West Hampton Theater, um, could, could you almost guarantee X number of seats with your friends. And they were like, oh, yeah, we should be able to get 150, 200 people. And I didn't expect that. But I was like, seriously? So we'll see. Hopefully next, God willing, next year, we'll be able to do that. Um, this uh, other comedian friend of mine and uh, and myself. It'll be a two-man show. So we'll see. That could be a blast. And um, it was just, just an amazing time. So I guess we got home and... We were all sleeping probably by like one, one thirty that night, and then Saturday, um, I can't even remember where we went. I think Saturday. Oh yeah, Saturday night we went to a, a place like on a pier to eat, and um, basically Saturday. Yes, yeah, Saturday was just sleep late, have breakfast. Um, I mean, did we go for lunch? I don't think we went for lunch. I think everything was in the house. We had so much food in the house. So I think we did that. Donna, Donna was such a gracious host and she cooked so much food. So we did that and it was just, uh, just amazing. It was just a lot of fun. And, uh, then Sunday went to a farmer's mark at like nine in the morning. My flight was, I think at three in the afternoon. So at nine in the morning, we all went to a farmer's mart, which was just, just amazing. I bought some food for, um, before the flight figured, you know, have some food. I mean, it's just, just the stuff was amazing, but it was just, like I said, it's, it's, it's almost like back to the future kind of town, the Truman show kind of town. You know, you're, I, I just can't explain it. It's just, um, hi, hi, hi. Everybody's, you know, everybody is rich and in a good mood. Um, you know, it's just one of those that I can't explain it, but it's, it's real. It's contagious. Everybody's in a good mood. Um, the cops are, are very, um, very nice, very respectful. And there's, I asked Carmelo and Donna, there's just no crime. There's just no crime. And it's just, it's just crazy. It's just absolutely crazy because it, it has that Truman show kind of thing. Top of the morning to you, Bob, you know, hey, hope you're doing well, you know, um, hope it, it's just that, that's, that was the vibe I got, uh, at the farmer's mart. Farmer's mart was great. That was a lot of fun. So, um, and then we, uh, went to, uh, uh, 
we went to um, the airport. We went to Central Islip Airport, my brother and I. And we decided, and I, you know, knew what I was going to do a couple of weeks prior. And we, uh, my brother lives in Florida, uh, six miles from my parents. So we, uh, I went down, took a flight with him. First time I think he and I have flown together since, uh, seriously, I think 1972 when we flew for his bar mitzvah to Orlando. I don't think I've been on a plane with my brother. So um, only 47 years. So um, we flew down and uh, I went back to my mom's house for two days where I got to see my parents and uh, hang out with them. And let's just leave it at that, that two days is perfect amount of time. Um, and that's, uh, that was the story with that. My mom is 81 now. My dad is, God willing, going to be 89 in October. So, uh, that would be nice, I hope. Um, and, um, it's interesting, very interesting to see the, uh, the aging process. And, uh, we had a nice dinner on Monday and then Tuesday I went back to, uh, uh, to men, uh, to, to Los Angeles. And, it got a little bit complicated a few days uh, later. I got home on the 23rd, um, July 23rd, and uh, so we're now August uh, 17th or 18th. Um, here's what's gone on in the last, uh, and then I'll start move out, we'll bring you up to speed, because I'm almost perfect, I almost designed this perfect, I'm at 29 minutes right now, so almost perfect, I might be a few minutes over, but not bad, um, I found out, um, well, found out, uh, two weeks ago, uh, yesterday, I found out that a, a buddy of mine uh, took his own life, uh, my friend Mike Reynolds, a uh, very funny comedian, um, used to open up for Carrot Top in uh, Las Vegas, um, but he's been all around the all around the the block uh, performing um, uh, for the last uh, realistically thirty eight, thirty nine years, and uh, he took his own life with uh, the way he told me he was going to do it many, many, many times over the last twenty years on the phone. Um, pills and booze is how he told me he would do it. Um, so he uh, took his life two weeks ago from yesterday, uh, from Saturday that just passed. So um, I hadn't spoken with Mike uh, in about eight, about nine months. We had a usual, um, we had a fight. We only fought about two things in, li in our lives, in our lives that we've known each other. We used to fight about whether Lee Harvey Oswald was the lone gunman uh, uh, in Dallas that day. Uh, I said he wasn't. He swore up and down he was. And we would fight about the uh, World Trade Centers. Uh, and I'm not a conspiracy theorist guy, but I just didn't believe that 9-11, you know, was, was everything we were told. That's all. That's all I said to him. I said, hey, uh, I, I just don't think it's everything we were told. I never said any conspiracies or anything, but we had a huge fight, and, and we didn't have a fight. We didn't have a fight. I wasn't screaming. He was screaming at me, and then he hung up on me, and that was it. I've never spoke to him again. And then 
when Brody Stevens, comedian Brody Stevens, took his own life, a buddy, a mutual buddy of ours, Brian Holtzman, very funny comedian, he said, Dean, why don't you reach out to Mike? You know, look where we are right now. We're, we're, we're saying goodbye to another fallen comrade, colleague, comedian, bro, Brody. Um, why, don't, why don't you, life is short, why don't you reach out to Mike? And I did. I reached out to him and never got a phone call back. And then six weeks ago, I reached out to him um, and I uh, never got a phone call back. So that's the only thing that, that's sad because I, I, I'm speaking to other people that I know and they're, they're telling me stories of the conversations they've had with him in the last nine months. Some people have spoken to him three, four weeks ago. Um, so, you know, that hurts a little bit that he'd ever reached out to me and said, ah, I had a fight with him and yeah, I'm very depressed and I'm even suicidal. This is him speaking in his own head. I want to reach out to Dean and, and you know, clean the slate with him or clear the slate. And um, he did reach out to me and I never got back. I should get back. So I felt, I just sort of felt like, wow, he reached out to a lot of people. Um, not necessarily saying he's going to kill himself, but um, just, you know, he reached out and said, hey, I'm moving to Boston. I'm going to get a new uh, car deal, a card dealing job at the Wynn in Boston. And supposedly that didn't work out. And then he drove back to Vegas and uh, gambled away, I guess, the last bit of money that he had. He was a very bad gambler. And, um, and that was it. I guess he took his life in, uh, with pills and booze in uh, Treasure Island Hotel, supposedly. So... That hurts a little bit, and it has hurt me for the last two weeks. I've been a little bit bummed about it because uh, I would have gladly offered him my couch, and you know, I you know, you have no home anymore in Vegas, and you don't have a job. Because uh, obviously, he gave up his apartment to go to Boston. I, I would have been like, hey, you know, come here, crash on my couch, and get your shit together, and you know, and you know, see what you can do out here. And, you know, I'll, you got a place to stay, you know, no charge. That kind of thing. I would have helped him. He was very good friends with people like Larry David, uh, Sarah Silverman. He was very good friends with a lot of people that are higher echelon uh, um, than myself and higher echelon people in general. And he just didn't, um, he just didn't reach out like I told him to do. And uh, I said, you know, maybe Larry will help you. Uh, maybe this one will help you, maybe that one will help you, get you back on your feet, and blah, 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 but he just didn't. And that just sort of hurt, because I thought our friendship deserved it, especially since I reached out twice. Um, I, I thought that I deserved the, uh, the what do you call it, uh, uh, maybe the last phone call. Hey, you know, um, yeah, things have been bad, blah, blah, maybe not even tell me that he's going to kill himself, maybe just want to hear my voice kind of thing for the last time, whatever, whatever the motive it doesn't really matter now, obviously, but um, whatever his motive was to say, hey, you know, I haven't spoken to Dean, um, let me hear his voice before I do what I'm going to do, kind of thing, or whatever. Uh, maybe, 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 you know, I, 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 I'm not one of these people that thinks I can save the world, kind of thing, but who knows, maybe I would have said, hey, you know, if you don't have a place to stay, come, come out here, you know, that kind of thing, and that might have changed everything for him. He might have went, Oh, a place to stay. Wow, no rent. Maybe I can get my act together kind of thing, you know, that kind of stuff. So 
whatever, maybe that could have been the turnaround from, you know, instead of killing myself, uh, I'll stay at the, on Dean's couch for a while. And I have a very nice couch, believe it or not. I know this is a, sort of comical when I say that, but I'm literally on a couch right now doing this. So I'm looking, I have like a nine, nine foot couch and it's, uh, it's deep and it's comfortable. And, um, he could have stayed here. So that's been bothering me. Um, a little bit. And then a week after Mike commits suicide, um, my very close uh, patient that I, that I had for about 10, 11 years, uh, a gentleman by the name of Dennis Henry, worked at Universal Studios, uh, just an amazing guy, just a, a really, really beautiful person. I don't kiss too many patients and too many male patients goodbye at the end of uh, treating them. But um, Dennis was a guy I would give a kiss on the cheek because I just, I just loved Dennis. He was such a kind guy. And I wake up to a text on Saturday morning from his lovely girlfriend, Tracy, who's a uh, T-R-A-Z-I, who's a patient of mine as well, that Dennis brought in. And, um, and she tells me that he had a heart attack in his sleep and died. And that, believe it or not, in a certain way, that hit me harder than Mike. And... Um, it hit me harder because this was a guy who wasn't killing himself. This, wasn't, this was a guy who wasn't uh, taking the, and I don't want to say killing yourself is the easy way out because it ain't the easy way out. Um, I, had, uh, I had, you know, well, we'll get to me later on. We'll, we'll turn this to me later on, 19, we get to 1997 is when I uh, contemplated suicide. So uh, I know the feeling of what it feels like to go down that rabbit hole, that darkness. Um, but I am glad that I didn't do it. Uh, and I was minutes away from doing it, and then a friend called and cheered me up. Didn't know I was going to kill myself, the guy on the other end, but he cheered me up without knowing it. Um, made me laugh for two and a half hours on the phone. That's neither here nor there. We'll, we'll get to that in 97. Um, when we get to 97, we still got a ways to go. But um, that, was, uh, that, was a, that was a tough one. Uh, Dennis, Den, the loss of Dennis was uh, tough for me, uh, tougher than Mike, uh, even though I was 30 times closer to Mike than, than Dennis. Um, Dennis died innocently in his sleep. He was looking forward to getting up the next day. You know, Mike wasn't. Um, he was looking forward to getting up the next day. And... Uh, it hurts. It hurts that he's uh, that he's gone. I just went to his memorial yesterday, and uh, it was so nice to see the turnout of people who, uh, from his workplace and friends, that showed up. And he was a really good guy, 59 years old, and I'm gonna miss him tremendously because um, he was one of those guys that was always, "Hey Doc, Hey Doc, Hey Doc, Hey Doc," um, and he wasn't even talking to me. No, I'm kidding. Um, it was, uh, he was, uh, he was a good guy and I'm going to miss him. I'm definitely going to miss him. So that's been the, uh, <laughs> that's been my, my trip and everything and what's been going on uh, in the last, I guess, sort of bringing you guys up to speed over the last two months. Uh, I'm excited about football starting. I've been watching the preseason games. I'm very excited for that. Um, preseason's actually sort of fun to watch. Um, so, um, I'm back and 
for the next 20 some minutes, we'll talk about uh, uh, being in school. Um, but I'm just thinking if there's anything else I need to tell you guys. Yes, there is. I'm going to see the Rolling Stones Thursday, August 22nd. Um, oh, I have a couple of things to tell you before we go further. Um, uh, on Thursday night, the 15th, August 15th, uh, my buddy Steve Matorin, uh, Matarin picked me up, uh, called me and said, Dean, I have a free ticket with, you know, with your name on it. Um, come with me to see Max Weinberg, Bruce Springsteen's drummer, uh, who I have met many times. Uh, and I've walked with in Runyon Canyon, and uh, I've seen him many times. And he uh, was performing at the El Rey Theater uh, on um, Wilshire Boulevard uh, down in Los Angeles. And um, what an interesting concept. Uh, Max is a phenomenal drummer for Springsteen for the last 45 years, I want to say. Yeah, closing in on 45 years. He's 68 years old. And he came up with a very interesting concept. Um, he hired three guitar players, one bass and two guitar. And he's the drummer. And he had a screen behind him that just kept revolving all night long of about 110 songs. And you scream out the songs. People scream out the songs. And... He says, all right, give me four songs, and people scream out. Uh, I screamed out, while my guitar gently weeps, I screamed out, the weight. And so he said, he goes, I'm getting a little older, so I can only remember four at a time. And he would remember all four, and then um, he played them with the, with the band. And it was so amazing. But the, but the highlight of the evening, I mean, it was a phenomenal show all the way around. I mean, we heard so many songs, and... Um, the highlight was at the end, I was sitting pretty much, standing pretty much front row. I was about, I don't know, five feet from the, from the stage and about, I'd say about 11 feet from his drum stand. And um, he, he just said, hey, we're going to close the show with a Springsteen song that we play almost every night or very often. And uh, please feel free to come up on stage and do so and sing with us. And... Uh, the song was Glory Days, and I know the words very well, so I ended up singing with the uh, guitar player, and uh, I, I went up the ramp and sang. It was about, I would say there was about 15 of us, 17 of us on stage, besides uh, Max and his three uh, employees, his, work, you know, his guitar people. And we just had a, it was amazing. Amazing way to close out a concert, you know, when you, you're watching the band, and then next thing you know, you're singing with them. And it was great. It was really great. So that was a great night. And then I am going to see, um, I'm going to see um, the Rolling Stones. And um, that's uh, the 22nd. And that should be an amazing show at the Rose Bowl. Going to be a little crowded. I think they're going to have about 90,000. It's going to be a little crowded. Um, so it's going to be a little crazy, but uh, um, we're going to go. My girlfriend Carmen and I are going to go because our anniversary is the 23rd. So we're going to treat ourselves to a, to a, an expensive night out with the Rolling Stones. I can't miss Mick and the boys, Mick and Keith and Ronnie and Charlie. I can't miss them. And uh, i got to see them. I haven't seen them in about, uh, I don't think I've seen the Stones probably in about 
10, 12 years. So I'm looking forward to it. It should be a blast. And uh, other than that, I've seen a couple of movies in the last two months. I saw um, Yesterday, uh, which I did not like that much. Um, uh, I would explain, but I don't think I want to go into that, what the reasoning was and how I came up with a plot that would have probably saved that movie. And even my friend Steve agreed with me on that. He was like, that's a great idea, uh, how it should have gone. And then I saw, um, I saw that movie and there was one other, uh, I want to go see Blinded by the Light, but, uh, I saw Yesterday and what was the other film that we were looking so forward to seeing and it wasn't good? Oh, it'll come to me. It'll hopefully come to me. But we just saw a movie, uh, Carmen and I, that we uh, were hoping for so long and it was, uh, it was not good. It was, um, oh, this is going to bother me, but I can't waste the time. Um, but yes, so I saw a couple of movies and uh, been doing some stand-up. Um, just did the Ice House on uh, August 6th. And that was interesting. Uh, I literally, first time ever that I got heckled in under five seconds on stage. Under five seconds I, I got heckled. Um, but I think I handled it pretty well. Um, other than that, uh, what else? Um, I think that's it. So at the 45-minute mark, I'm going to take a sip of some tea and then... Uh, That's good. I make a good tea. A little oil of oregano, a little honey, a little cinnamon. And what else did I put in there tonight? Oh, a little ginger. So I like that stuff. It's good. Um, so uh, I to get back to the podcast, uh, it is 1982. It is September of 82. And I entered Brockport State with the desire... Uh, and encouragement to major in accounting. We left off with that. And who gave me that uh, um, that encouragement? My mom and dad. They always used to say, you can't go wrong with an accounting degree. Uh, Dean, every business needs an accountant. You'll always have a job and a way to make a buck. Ba, 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 yada, yada, ba, 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 ba. That's all I ever heard. That was the, uh, uh, you know, not they never, they never once... Uh, said anything about the fact that it's quite possibly the most uh, boring profession on earth. But I went up there, and Brockport was like a totally new experience for me. Um, I know I left off on my last podcast saying, you know, I was already in the room already, but I just want to just take you out of it for a second, and then I'll bring you back into um, being on being in McLean Hall and all that stuff. But um, it was just a different, it was a different thing for me. Uh, I was 450 miles away from home, northwest of Queens, 450 miles. And uh, literally the first semester was, you know, uh, partying, making new friends, and uh, trying uh, every once in a while, and sometimes succeeding, getting laid, uh, getting introduced to uh, eating buffalo-style chicken wings, and... and um, and they also had something they those those people from up that area used to do. It was called cow tipping. They would tip over cows when uh, when the cows were sleeping because the cows supposedly sleep standing. So it was very uh, very interesting, very eclectic group up there, <laughs> up there. But um, eighty two, I also uh, 
uh, continued my faithful uh, commitment to watching Johnny Carson on a very tiny uh, 12-inch TV that my parents gave me to take up there. And uh, we used to watch Johnny Carson, and then uh, we used to watch um, this new guy. Uh, His name was David Letterman, and we would watch him at 12.30, he went on. So um, it was interesting. It was interesting. I had a, uh, my first semester was a complete blowout. Uh, I guess the lifestyle and lack of studying and missing class and sleeping late led led me to a 1.85 GPA. I had a 1.85 GPA and that immediately put me on academic probation, which uh, scared me because I really did not want to get thrown out of school. And um, I, I, dread, I dreaded, you know, the fact of possibly having to come home and live with my, you know, my folks, my mother and father. Uh, I was just, I, I could not handle going to Queensboro Community College and getting my GPA up um, so that I could go to Queens College and, you know, live at home with my parents. I couldn't imagine it. I, I could not imagine it. So um, I buckled down, and I got serious in the second semester. And I'm not going to lie to you, I probably took some easier classes. I'd have to go look at my transcripts, which I can't. But um, I probably took some easy classes, underwater basket weaving, you know, that kind of stuff, to bring the cum up. But I did. I ended up getting a 3.25 uh, the next semester. And um, that kept me in... Uh, kept me into the prerequisites to get into the business school for my accounting. But um, my life started to change. One of the classes um, began to change my life. And that class uh, was a class that was um, a prerequisite to get into the business school. And it was called Concepts of Modern Communication. And I believe, so now we're probably in January. Yeah, we're in January of uh, 83. Yeah, that's right, 83. And um, I told you folks, before you know it, we're going to be up at, up to 2019. Just bear with me a little. I just have some highlights in my life, and then we'll get you up to 2019. And we can talk about all sorts of shit that's going on now. But, uh, but my life gets really, really crazy at around this time. So just stay with me on this. Um, so the class was... Uh, Concepts of Modern Communication. It was taught by a a very attractive woman, I have to be honest with you folks. I'm going to get a little quiet when I talk here because it's it's a woman that I used to fantasize about. Um, uh, Remember, I'm 19 years old, so, you know, I'm doing a lot of fantasizing and everything. And uh, she was a good-looking lady. Her name was uh, Dr. Polly Rogers and I have been trying to find this woman now on Facebook and uh, um, Instagram for years, and I cannot find her. I've been looking for her for almost thirty years because I wanted to tell her. Well, let me let me stay with this, and then we'll go on. But she was a beautiful, classy woman, very very sexy, and always well made up. And she was the teacher, the professor for this class. And she probably in her early, I would say she was late 30s, early 40s. And um, she was just, you know, just one of those teachers that you had that, that, uh, that crush on. And uh, the class um, 
focused on the way we communicate with each other. And that was the whole concept, uh, concepts of modern communication. And uh, it was either involving the latest technology and folks, let me, let's be honest, you know, what was the latest technology in uh, 1983? Uh, you know, a Texas Instrument uh, um, wristwatch, a digital watch, you know. Um, uh, but it was about, you know, it, it was focusing on the media and uh, f- uh, almost like NLP, physical cues, facial and body cues. It, it was that kind of thing. It was very... Um, it was very uh, interesting, a very interesting class, and it was very, it was a lot of fun. And when it came to the final exam, uh, Professor Rogers told us that there's going to be no written exam. Uh, instead, what I want you guys and girls to do, this is probably about sixty people in this class. Um, I want you to break up in, in, into groups of six, and I want each group to put on a 30 to 45-minute sketch based upon the semester's work. But it has to be minimum 30, and you can go to 45 if, you, if you'd like, whatever. So my group and I decided that uh, it was sort of known that I was sort of like a class clown in that class. And um, uh, we decided we're going to make it comical and... and um, they all said, uh, listen, we'll, we, want you, we want to center it around you since you're pretty outgoing and you don't mind you know, making the class laugh. So um, it's not that I was more talented than anybody. It was just you know, that most of them were you know, from uh, some small towns in upstate New York and they, they just were more conservative by nature. You know? like they, these were milk and meat kind of people. So you know, they see a, a, a Jew from uh, Queens, New York, who, you know, doesn't care about making people laugh in the class. And they, you know, they chose me as the guy that, you know, let's do it. Let's, let's make him the, the, the center. And, um, you know, it was just a, an interesting uh, thing. So what we decided to do, um, I decided that, okay, I'll I'll run the show. I want you guys to do most of the writing, but I'm going to run the show. And what we did, we decided to do the Tonight Show starring Johnny Carson. And um, my you know my whole life had gone full circle. Uh, I you know I was now going you know to get the chance to play this guy, who had you know obviously one of the biggest you know artistic influences on me while growing up. You know since. Uh, since I was imitating him since fourth grade and, and, and having my mother let me watch uh, Johnny Carson uh, all those years. So it was pretty wild. Um, so for the next, I guess, I guess we were slated for like two weeks. Uh, our, our, you know, she gave you like two weeks. And um, uh, everybody had two weeks. In other words, every group, there must have been ten groups of six. And every group... You know, we were told this needs to be done, and you know, starting in two weeks, we're going to start, and every day, class will will give one performance. So, in a total of uh, ten days, uh, the finals, final exams will be finished. Uh, you know, all the classes will have went. So, um, I, you know, I watched the Tonight Show religiously, which you know, me and my roommates were doing. As a matter of fact, Michael Weiss. Uh, be- became my roommate. That's a long story, but he became my roommate in '83. Uh, 
So it was no more of me uh, screaming his name out uh, as he was walking on the Strand. I ended up leaving McLean Hall, still maintaining my friendships and going over there uh, almost every night and hanging out with Tobin F. Walters, who was my old roommate, and hanging out with... Um, uh, who else was I... Uh, um, 